Welcome back to the Grief Observed podcast. As always, I am your host, Brad Morrell, and uh, I hope this day is finding you well. Um, I want to give a few updates to my listeners and say thank you, first of all. And uh, we've crossed over that 2,500 download in just like two months, uh, just a little over two months. And uh, last month alone was 1,500 downloads, and that's just... Uh, surprising to me. It's crazy. And uh, I just thank you for for tuning in. Um, If you listen from the Podbean app, I also want to let you know that you can actually click on the tags drop down and there you can actually select options such as say addiction or cancer or son, mother, etc. Anything like that that will help you find the episodes that apply to your life. Um, I realize it can be overwhelming to listen, you know, constantly about grief episode after episode. But, you know, if you've lost uh, a spouse, you know, or a husband specifically, you know, you can click on husband and only find the episodes that speak about someone that's lost a husband. So anyway, I hope that's helpful for you. And if you want to be on the podcast, please just uh, send me an email at griefobservedpodcast at gmail.com or find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash griefobservedpodcast. So I will bring on our next guest. My guest today is Angela, and Angela lost her husband, and she wants to speak about that today and uh, just kind of tell a little bit about her story. So Angela, thank you so much for joining me here today. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. I uh, And I know that you work a lot in grief as well, so I, I definitely want to tune into that a little bit into the podcast and just how you're helping people. Um, and sometimes I just think that uh, we become better helpers, and, and it doesn't even have to be professionally, but I think as humans, we become better helpers when we've gone through something uh, before we actually help someone with it. You know, I always state, I'm not just someone with book smarts. I've actually had anxiety. I've had depression. So I I think that makes me a better therapist, um, knowing that I've seen some of those battles in my own life. So anyway, I will shut up and I'd like to hear a little bit about Angela. So tell me (laughs) about you. Yeah, well, I absolutely agree with you, what you just said about, you know, living the experience. And then um, I think there's a lot to helping others after you've been through it and even as you're going through it. So that's been my journey. I was um, I was a school principal uh, for most of my adult years. And uh, in a very small town in southern Saskatchewan called Valmarie. Hmm. And during my, or at my graduation, I met the love of my life, Blaine Clement. And he uh, was a cattle rancher. And so we lived on a ranch those years and we raised two children. Hmm. Yeah. And so then um, it, it was an amazing place to live and raise your children. And, and I loved my job. Um, in 2019, we sold the ranch and we were ready to retire. We were going to travel and follow our kids around. And then in 2020 at Christmas time, he wasn't feeling that well. Hmm. And I thought, well, you know, he might have a hernia or maybe it's gallstones or 
who knows, right? So off to the doctor he goes, but I never guessed that it would be stage four colon cancer. Wow. Yeah. Had he had, had he had um, any type of colonoscopies in the past? No, no, no he hadn't, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. Because that probably would have would have helped. But, you know, <laughs> I don't know if you know Southern Saskatchewan, but I would say a lot of these farmers and ranchers, they don't they don't go to the doctor unless they have to. It's not a an arm has a, to fall off before they go to the doctor. Right. OK. Right. All right. Yeah, I get that. I get that. And it's, uh, you know, I, I will say um, the colonoscopy is, I, I just had my first one this past year, or maybe, it, maybe it's been two years at this point. And it is a little, um, frightening, I guess, knowing, okay, what if they do find something? And, um, and then of course the prep, I, I do feel like the prep is, is probably the worst part, but I, my doctor gave me, uh, something called Sue tabs and it was like tablets that you would eat i always hear that the drink is horrible and i'm like oh i hope they don't give that to me um but i i think um i do encourage people to do you know to have a colonoscopy because um i know the outcomes if colon cancer is found early uh it's it's good you know that things things can be um i don't know fixed fairly quickly if caught early so you said at this point, Blaine found out it was stage four cancer. Yes. So wow. it had spread to his liver and there was a lot of lesions in the liver. Mm. So he decided to take chemotherapy. Mm -hmm. And for the next 10 months, I just watched him deteriorate. It was awful. Uh, the chemotherapy was really hard on him. Um, he's, he stayed positive, you know, and, um, I think really fortunately for both of us, I had a real interest in energy healing. Mm. Um, my son had, um, something called Hirschsprung's disease, which is a, a bowel disease when he was a baby and they did surgery for it and it didn't help. It helped maybe some, but it didn't fix it. And, um, so one of my friends in town said, why don't you take him to this healer? So I did. And he was healed. It's a longer story than that. But that is really where I really started to pick up an interest in energy healing. So I learned some things from her. And then um, over the course of the next so many years, 30 years, I guess, I practiced on family and friends and I read books and, you know, I enjoyed playing with the energy. Mm -hmm. But when he got sick, then things got serious. So I started to take more classes. I got two energy healers that I knew of to work with him. And the beautiful thing was with that was that, um, it helped him with his symptoms. And so he really didn't take more than a Tylenol until the day before he died. Wow. Yeah, it was amazing. And so between myself working with him once or twice a day doing sessions and then the other energy healers, um, we were able to keep his pain reasonable. Mm 
Mm-hmm. And, um, and so um, fast forward to towards the end, um, I kept him at home until the day before he passed. Um, my daughter uh, wanted to be married. Um, she had a fiance and she wanted to be married before he passed away. And so we were kind of waiting to see if he would get better. You know, you don't know what the outcome's going to be and you hold out a lot of hope. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I woke up that morning and I, I just, he was really, um, just confused. And, um, you could tell he was just kind of going in and out of consciousness. And so I phoned my daughter-in-law, thank goodness she's a nurse. And she came and said, yeah, we've got a day, maybe two. And so, um, we called my daughter, we arranged a wedding for that day by supper time, just after supper, they were married. Um, and after the ceremony, he clapped. So Hmm. he did get to observe that. And, um, and also my son and his wife announced that they were having a baby that day. And so we had all of these, um, emotions that were going on at the same time you know the excitement of a a wedding and a baby but at the same time knowing full well that you know this was not good Mm. and when the ceremony was over um, my husband says trying to say because he's not able to really speak that well at this point he's trying to say something and we can't understand it and my son finally figured it out it was tip he wanted to make sure that we tipped the JP before he left. Mm. <laughs> so this is the kind of guy he was, right? Very generous, very kind. Mm. And so when that was over, we called the ambulance. He went to the hospital and the next day he passed away. We said our goodbyes and um, that was it. So after that, I became a widow, which is a whole interesting experience that I never understood until I became one. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I'm not going to ask your age, Angela, but you seem like a fairly young widow in in my mind, mm-hmm. you know, I, I uh, and I guess it doesn't matter what age a person is, you know, you, you have this vision of what, a long life with this person looks like. Um, Mm -hmm. and then when it, when they pass there, there's this change that says everything that I thought was true, everything that I thought about our journey and and that future ahead has now changed. Like what, what were your initial thoughts when Blaine passed? Well, there was a lot that went through my mind because I had, um, taken a leave of absence from work and then retired. Um, And then we moved, (laughs) we moved to another town to get closer to a hospital and, and the same town as my son lived in. So when he died, it felt like um, everything changed. There was nothing the same. I wasn't even in the same house. I wasn't in the same town. I didn't have a job. It was just Mm. like the whole rug was pulled out from underneath of me. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it, it's in some ways, 
I think it was good to have a fresh start, but it was super hard at the time. It was really difficult. Hmm. When do you feel now at this point, he, he passed away in 21 at the end of 21. Yeah. Um, you're a couple of years removed at this point. Mm-hmm. How has, I guess your grief journey changed or like what, what brings you hope now? Maybe that it's different than two years ago. Yeah. Well, I mean, (laughs) what brings me hope? Well, I, I know I'm a completely different person now and I don't, I don't have that punch in the gut feeling that you have every morning. You know, when you first lose somebody, it's like you wake up with that, you go to bed with that. It clouds everything that you do all day long. And actually I was told by many people and I read things that said, you will grieve for the rest of your life. You will take that with you all the way through. And I thought to myself, well, that's the way things are going to be. If I'm going to have this kind of despair, then I simply do not want to live. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to be on this earth with that kind of pain every day. And so I started looking for somebody who said something other than that. Hmm. That's what, what did you find? I found a lady by the name of Julie Clough. She is a grief coach. Um, and I found her on Facebook. There was a quote that said, um, some say you will grieve for a lifetime. I choose the path from hurt to hope to healing every day. Mm. And that was the quote that I, I thought, yeah, I need to see her. And at the time, I didn't know that there was such a thing as a grief coach. And to be honest, in the past, like even when Blaine was diagnosed with cancer, I mean, there was counselors that were offered to us. And I just thought, what could somebody like that say to me that would make me feel better? Mm. You know, he's still sick, so you can't help me. And yeah. <laughs> And so, you know, that kind of attitude, (laughs) but I was at that point, I knew I needed help and, Mm -hmm. and I really needed somebody to tell me that I was going to be okay, that there would be hope that I would feel better again. Yeah. Yeah. And I take no offense to that. (laughs) I I think there's a lot of times that, that people, um, it's not the right timing. It's not the right fit. There, there's so many reasons why counseling can be a turnoff for a person. And I get it. It's, uh, but it sounds like you found the right person at the right time for you. And, Mm -hmm. and that's, that's generally what is needed. So. Yeah. hmm. Yeah. And it, it was surprising. I mean, after, I was so scared going into that first session because I thought, well, I don't want to cry. Like I'm going to cry. Every time I talk, I'm going to cry. That's all I do is cry. (laughs) And we are taught, you know, and especially me as a school principal, you're taught to kind of keep your emotions to yourself. You don't go crying. And so there was a lot of fear around that. Mm -hmm. And after that first session, there was such a relief to know that, um, you know, this, she could help me and that I could get through this and it was okay to cry. I mean, I think that was the biggest message maybe out of them all. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I talk about crying a lot and I, I think, especially as men were taught, you know, be a big boy, don't cry. And, um, and I don't think that's fair at all. I don't think it's fair to tell anybody that, you know, don't cry. And, and we hear that a lot in grief, you know? Um, but I talk about the cleansing power of tears and I find it highly unique that our tears have a neurotransmitter called leucine and kephalin in the tear that actually is a painkiller. And it's like, why wouldn't you want to soothe your body, you know, by crying, let it go. So I encourage people um, when they come to my office, you know, if, if I see them trying to hold back, I'll ask why, what makes you feel like you want to hold this back? You know, what, what good is this doing you would, what would it feel like if you were able to just leave everything here on the counseling floor? I'll swim in your tears with you. You know, it's, it's okay. So I think hearing that it is okay to cry is a very, very important thing. Anything else that stood out to you in, in the grief coach uh, sessions there, like the, especially that, that first session that said, I can find healing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was huge. Like just knowing that, like she said, you will, you will find joy again. You will be happy again and you'll be okay. And I would say I'm more than okay now. I mean, um, I still miss him, but it's different now. Mm-hmm. It's like I'm taking him with me and all the best parts of what we were together. Um, it's like all the things that I learned from us being together is enhancing what I do now. And so it's, it's a fascinating experience to just get that perspective and to be able to let go of the pain and, and not the person. Hmm. Yeah. So I know you do a lot of grief work now yourself. Like what, uh, how, how do you help individuals through the grieving process yourself? Well, um, I have several different things that I offer. Um, and one of the biggest ones is a grief support group. And um, it, I, th- I would say it's a little bit different maybe than most of the grief support groups that I have had experience with in that it's more about um, resources and things that we can share with each other that are tried and true. And also we talk a lot about our relationship with our loved one that carries on Mm. uh, continually, right? So that um, messages that we get from them, what it's like in the afterlife, you know, those kinds of discussions are what happen at these um, support groups and, and people love it. And it's, it's supporting each other and having that kind of communicate community and being able to have that conversation with somebody who understands. Yeah. Um, did you happen to see that new movie called, I think it's after death. Have you seen that movie or heard about it? No, I think I've, I've heard of it. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like a documentary and, uh, I keep threatening to watch it. And so far I've, I've not done that. I, I need to do that. 
take the time to to watch it because I think there are a lot of different thoughts about afterlife, what happens, and of course I know a lot of that is ingrained into someone's uh, religious beliefs or spiritual beliefs, and you know, so there's many ideas, but um, I like the the thought of being able to share those things in a group. And um, how do you ensure that? I guess there's no judgment for different belief systems in those groups. Yeah, so we we don't talk about a specific religion per se. Mm -hmm. It's it's more just what our beliefs are about the afterlife or what we've read in books or what we've heard about. You know, it's just like a dis an ongoing discussion. And there's really no I agree, I don't agree, I whatever. It's just a sharing and mm -hmm. everybody I think has their own idea about where their loved one is and how they can build that relationship going forward and everybody's comfortable in a different way and and it's all okay it's all yeah. good yeah I, I think there's lots of ideas you know there's some people that believe like you state the connection continues throughout life there's some people it feels like I, I'm completely removed from, from that individual or that relationship. And uh, so it is unique. And and I, I enjoy listening to people's thought processes on those, you know, and, and exactly like uh, bringing people on the podcast. You know, I, I've had people with different beliefs and um, I'm very careful to give room for people in that. Like I, I totally believe in autonomy and, you know, what a person believes, I'm not going to step on that at all. That's, that is for them to work through and work out. Um, so I like the idea of a group that says, share your idea and, you know, share some resources and, uh, let's just be together and, and figure out a way, uh, forward, you know, and, and again, it's not, you're not going to get over or through, you know, uh, a death. It's just, you move forward. And this sounds mm -hmm. like you, you've you learned to move forward throughout life and uh, you seem genuinely happy. Yeah. And, and I think that's encouraging. You know, again, I get to see your face and your smiles, um, but I think people can hear it in your voice too. And, and that does give people hope knowing that, okay, here's, here's a woman who has lost her spouse uh, and, and you were married for how long? 35 years. Yeah. So, you know, to that, that's a major loss. Not that uh, I'm discounting someone who's only been married a year and lost a spouse, but, mm -hmm. uh, and, and I'm certainly not, uh, but 35 years is a long time. And, uh, for someone to hear the hope in your voice that, okay, this, this woman has figured out a way to move forward and, and move with life. Uh, I think that's very encouraging. Yeah. Well, and that is my whole mission right now <laughs> is to give people the hope that I didn't have at the beginning. You know, when I when I was told, well, you'll just, you know, and and in our society, we don't really talk about grief that much. So going into it, you know, I think you're almost expected to kind of figure it out. I mean, it's different if you have had that connection with a therapist or a counselor or, you know, but uh, for me, I just looked around and I see nothing. I saw nothing. Um, and you know, so my mission is to provide something. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, I'm sitting here thinking, like, if I were to uh, set up a table outside of a, a grocery store or a, a supermarket, like, and I, I surveyed the first hundred people that I saw, I wonder how many of them would have been affected by death in the last week, the last month, the last year. Like, I, I guarantee you it is way higher. But like you stated, um, it it is way higher than what I, I can imagine, I'm certain. But I, I think the what you stated, you know, it's it's not talked about. It's something that we just kind of shove over in the corner. We don't like to uh think about those things and we like to believe that we're going to live forever or that a parent's going to live forever or a spouse. And it's just not true. So I think having more open discussions about death and um you know, I I feel like a lot of times, too, that we sugarcoat things when we speak about death. And I, I understand why we do that. We're trying to be respectful, especially to someone who's just lost someone. You know, that I guess that's why we say, you know, this person passed away. You know, it. I guess it sounds a little cleaner than saying they died. Um, but, you know, it's... I think we do need to have more open discussions and be, um, I don't know, just willing to to be present with other people when they're going through these things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And being okay with somebody being upset, you know, it's, it's like, you know, how we always apologize if we start to cry or, Oh, I'm sorry. You know, why, why are we sorry that we are expressing those emotions and why is it not okay to be in that state? And why does everybody get so uncomfortable when it happens? You know, it's, it's, it shouldn't, I don't think it should be that way. No, no. And I, I don't know if I, I'm trying to brainstorm and think of ways that we could make um, this more comfortable for people to talk about. I think one of the ways is obviously through, you know, podcasts, through Facebook posts, through anything that says, and I hate to use the word normal, but this is a normal part of life. Passing away, dying, it is normal. We all do it. You know, it's, we all know someone that has passed away. So why, why do we step around it or, or kind of walk on eggshells whenever we speak about it? I, I don't know. I don't have a good answer for that. <laughs> yeah, well, and it's interesting because we hear the word grief and we think it's a horrible thing. Um, but I've, I've come to the conclusion that grief really is, in a way, a gift for us. It is a way of um, for us to heal. It's actually an, naturally designed for us and specifically designed for us to heal. And as humans... We're always letting go of something, you know, even as babies, when we have to give up a bottle, we're letting go. There's grief with that. We let go of our baby blanket. There's grief with that. Kids go off to college. There's grief with that. Like we don't think about that, all of those opportunities to let go and the processes that we go through to, to let go of things. And then when a loved one, like a big one comes along, you know, now we call it grief. But yet, that process, I think, is very normal. And all of the emotions that come with it are normal. 
but we want to push them away because there's sadness and there's anger and there's frustration and those things don't feel good. And so we don't want to face them. We don't want to feel into them, but yet that's the very thing that helps you heal. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I think just that education, right? That's that's what helped me understanding that I needed to face those things. I couldn't just work them away or eat them away or shop them away. <laughs> right. Yeah. Retail I therapy, to, right? <laughs> yeah. Like I had to face them and I had mm -hmm. to sit with them. And that's what my book is all about. How I sat with that pain and let it go. Yeah. I think one of the things that that is helpful. Like you're stating, uh, when, when people think about the, the death of a loved one, that is where they kind of hone in on that, that thought of grief. But if you were to kind of have a person, I guess, look at grief from a, you know, from zero to 10 and we'll just say, okay, yes, the, the death of a loved one, we will call that a 10. I don't know that it could get any worse than that. Um, but rank other losses in your life down to, you know, I, I lost a wallet whenever I was 10 years old. Okay. That's probably a one or a zero, right? There's, <laughs> but there, there's, it's not a zero, it's still a loss. Um, but it's, it's way down there. Right. And you think about a loss of a job. Okay. That, that could be significant, especially if you're the breadwinner or the only person that brings money home to feed your kids that's probably a seven or eight, you know, it, it's way up there. Um, so I, I think we do have to look at other losses. The sad part about it is those other losses do not prepare you for the loss of human life. So it is different. Um, yeah. It's just, but it is grief, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So tell and me, I... oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, that's okay. <laughs> I was going to uh, ask you a little bit more. You, you've kind of mentioned a book, and I know the book is not out yet. Um, coming soon, right? Coming soon. I'm hoping by the end of the year. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I will tell you. I if uh, and you can see that I don't have much hair, and uh, <laughs> I would have pulled <laughs> out the rest of it, uh, it had I written on my book any longer. I wrote a book about divorce. Um, last mm. year or, or actually i guess it's two years ago now and uh it's kind of like a divorce workbook which is another loss right um yeah. but i just the writing process i oh my goodness i feel for you i really do but it is so rewarding when you have that copy in hand so so tell me more about what this book uh uh, you don't have to give away all the details, so so you keep people hooked to to read later. But what are some things about the book that are important to you? Um, well, it's called Awakening Through Grief. So I really see my grief process was an awakening process, awakening to who I truly am, to my own spirituality, and um, and I think you know it's a big reason why. I'm doing as well as I am today. Hmm. Um, but I had a lot of support and I had a lot of people that helped me through and a lot of energy healers and coaches. And, and so when I write in this book, it is all about that process. It's all about how I face the pain, how I had the supports that I had, 
Um, I give exercises and things that I use to help me get through kind of that daily pain. Um, and I write a lot about, you know, just my story. It's, it's really a memoir, um, but it's, it's teaching um, because I'm a teacher. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine that. Um, but it's teaching people um, a way to get through. Excellent. Have you have you been writing this for a while or is this something fairly new for you? Well, I started last summer actually writing it and um, I finished it for my husband's birthday. October 27th, I finished the manuscript and then I've been um, working with an editor and I have an agent now. And so I'm just waiting to see who's going to publish this book. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I chose the uh, self-publishing uh, option just because I, I didn't want to deal with what you're probably going through now. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, bless you. Um, that's that's awesome that you have uh, the courage and strength to publish a book. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's um it's therapeutic. I it feel is. you know writing is really important or it was a really important part of my process. I did not consider myself a writer, but after I wrote some blogs and I I journaled and I started to realize how powerful it was to get my words down and then to share it with other people because I found out it was helpful for people. Mm -hmm. And so then it, it was like, okay, this, this works for me. And so I'm going to keep doing it and I'm going to keep sharing with others. Good for you. Good for you. Are there still moments where you find um, grief kind of sneaking up on you? Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting. The last big one was I went to exhibition, which is like a big exposition for farm, you know, animals and machinery and, and, you know, I don't have as many of those kinds of experiences anymore. Um, but so they're farther and fewer between. But and so I didn't expect <laughs> anything. Yeah. I went to this exhibition and um, I, I enjoyed everything. I loved seeing all the stuff. My husband and I used to go together. And then somewhere on the way home, it just hit me that um, I hadn't grieved the loss of the life that I had, it, that ranching life, the farm life, living on the farm, having the cows, you know, all of that. Um, I hadn't grieved it yet. And mm. so it just, it hit me like out of the blue. But I had all the tools. I knew what to do with it. I knew what was happening. I knew and I just sat with it. And sometimes it takes you know, a few hours, sometimes it takes a couple days for it to release. But then I find once it's, it's released, then I feel better and it's mm. all good. Yeah. So obviously being a, a farm girl, so to speak, it's, you know, there's the outdoor life. Um, do you do anything now? Like, is that one of your ways of uh, just getting out and recharging? Do you still get outside a lot or... Yeah, actually, uh, I spend as much time in nature as I possibly can. Mm -hmm. um, I did that all my life. Like as a teacher in the summer, I would go to this place. It's called Cypress Hills Park. And there's big pine trees there. 
which is crazy for Saskatchewan because we're all prairie grass. There's not many trees here. <laughs> mm. but there is this place that the glaciers didn't touch and um, it's only about 20 miles from here. And so I go there every summer and I spend as much time as I can. And I will say the first year going there without Blaine was pretty difficult. I had to take it in small steps. I had to stay a night and then come home and then go back and then, you know, and ease into it. But now um, I found last summer way better and I'm sure this summer will be better yet. It just took some time. Yeah. Are you all pretty cold up there right now? No, we are so warm up here. It is crazy. We're starting to question. Um, there was actually a news <laughs> bulletin the day before yesterday that we were warmer than Florida here in Maple Creek. <laughs> what? I know. It's crazy. Yeah, that is crazy. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Um, we must be turning upside down. This this is interesting. <laughs> another topic of discussion, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's for another podcast. <laughs> hmm. Um, I, I like to ask this question a lot after the loss of your husband has, has your thoughts about your own mortality, uh, come into play at all? Yes. <laughs> yeah. You know, I don't worry about it. Like I used to, I don't worry about death and dying. Like I used to, I, I actually, my like I said, I had an awakening. I really believe that there is an afterlife. And I believe that transition is a lot easier than we think it is. Mm-hmm. And I think that when we get to the other side, I mean, I, I really think that it's amazing. I mean, I believe that we're going back home where we came from. And maybe some people think that's crazy, but that's what I believe. Yeah. <laughs> Well, like we stated, everyone has different thoughts and opinions. And, uh, you know, I, I know there are people who agree. I know there are people who disagree with with many things that I say. So it's, um, you know, we're all entitled to those opinions, right? <laughs> so I, I, I definitely believe in afterlife as well. And, uh, and I do feel like, like you stated, the transition is a lot easier. I, I really feel like we... Uh, take our last breath here and and take our first breath into the afterlife for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I think it's changed the way I live my life. You know, it's not, I don't take little things don't bother me as much anymore. It's, and I, I try to live life fuller, you know, I don't, I don't, maybe take it so much for granted as I did. Yeah. Good for you. Yeah. I think there's a lot that we do take for granted. And, uh, I, I had posted on, on the Facebook page, um, a meme that was basically talking about, you know, giving hugs and kisses and words and things like that to people, because we never know when that last moment will be, um, yeah. Kind of circling back, I, I had a, a thought whenever you were talking about uh, Blaine's last days and, and some of the events that, you know, were were going on and uh, it just kind of slipped me. And but I wanted to go back to that and and ask, like, you've got these really, really positive things going on 
someone getting married, baby on the way. Um, were those events at all clouded uh, or do you feel like they were special in their own way? Um, you know, what really helped me with that was being acknowledged because so when my grandson, the grandson was first. So um, I just, I couldn't imagine being a grandma without a grandpa. And, and I was really sad about that. And, um, and I felt guilty because what grandma isn't excited about their grandchild coming, like that doesn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. And, and I struggled with that internally. And then I had a friend say to me, um, you must be so excited about this new baby. And I mean, a lot of people said that to me <laughs> and I thought in my mind, yeah, I am. But, mm, but this particular friend said to me, but it must be really hard too. Mm. And when she said that something changed in me, it was just like that whole idea of, yeah, that's true. And it feels so good to be acknowledged that there is two feelings here. There is sadness and there's joy. And I can do both, actually, believe it or not, <laughs> I can do both. And I don't need one to cloud the other. And yeah. I think, you know, it's, and when, so my daughter did have an actual wedding ceremony with friends and everything that following summer. And so there was an opportunity there for me to embrace that whole thing. Um, and it was a huge celebration because my son-in-law, I didn't tell you this, but while my, my husband was going through chemo, he was diagnosed with lymphoma. Wow. So they actually did chemotherapy together for a few sessions and it was a horrendous year. Like when I look back, I think we had to put our dog down. He was like 15 years. He was 15 years with us. Our cat was not well. I ended up putting the cat down after Blaine died. Like it was just so many losses packed into one year. But fortunately, my son-in-law is doing very well. And we could celebrate that at the wedding. Um, and Yes, there was sadness there for sure, because he wasn't there, but yet I was still able to celebrate with the kids and enjoy that whole thing. Mm. You know, you, you did go through a lot of loss there in, in just one small caption of your life. And, uh, I sit there and think back to, um, high school and I heard the words that the only thing that's permanent is change. And that's probably one of the most nauseating statements I've ever heard in my life, but I don't think there's a truer statement in life. And we like change when we're, and, and I put this in quotations for those that can't see me, but um, we like change whenever we feel like we have control over it, right? Yeah. You know, if, if I don't like the way my living room looks, I can move, move furniture and now it looks great. And that change makes me feel wonderful, but I was in control, right? But whenever right. you think about loss and sickness and, and even birth and, and all these different things, we don't have control in over any of those. Um, 
some of those changes are good. Some of those changes are not so good in the way that we view them. So mm-hmm. I don't know. When you think about uh, things and, and things changing in your life and knowing that nothing is permanent, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, I always thought I was pretty good at handling change until Blaine died. <laughs> and then I realized, no, I don't really like it. <laughs> um, but, and, and like you say, um, lots of those changes ended up being very positive. I think the key is that we have to embrace the change rather than resist it. Because lots of times when we don't have control, it's going to happen anyway. And we can fight it. We can fight it tooth and nail, but yet it just creates more, more adversity, more challenge, right? Uh, to just be able to let it go. And I know it's not that easy. I, I, I get that. I mean, I've been through it. I know, I know it's not that easy, but if you really think about the fact that you can't, you can't go back. You can't change those circumstances. You can keep thinking about it and you can keep cycling that thought around and around in your head. But eventually you have to start looking towards what's coming and the present moment and what's happening now, because otherwise you're you're signing yourself up for a lot of pain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I always think of, uh, when you go through a death, it's like life pushes you through a door and then the door disappears. There is no way to get back to what you once knew, you know, and and I think a lot of times we try to get back to a place that, you know, no longer exists. And, and it's like swimming upstream and then we get exhausted. That's when depression kicks in, anxiety, and it's just so hard to even focus on, you know, that door to get back there. It's not even Mm -hmm. there anymore. You know, it doesn't mean that we can't recall what was in the other room. Right. It's just, we can't get back to it. No. And there has to be that hope that you will get back to happiness and to joy again. Otherwise, why would you walk through that door? Sure. Sure. (laughs) You were, Stay where you are and just keep relishing in the memory, right? Because there's no, but as soon as you realize that if you can open yourself up to possibility, that things could get better than you even imagine. Yeah. I think people get trapped by the word never, you know, I'm never going to be happy again. I'll never find another spouse again. I'll never, whatever you can, you can say a thousand nevers. And I really feel like people handcuff themselves when they do that. You're, you're basically, uh, I guess, limiting your opportunities for growth and for a future whenever you start saying really the nevers and the always, right? Both of those yeah. could be limiting in some, some way or fashion. So mm-hmm. yeah. I don't know. Did you, did you say any of the nevers in the beginning? Um, well, I really hoped everybody was wrong. I mean, (laughs) like I was hoping, I mean, there were moments where I thought everybody was right, that I would feel like that forever, Mm. that I would never feel good again. There were moments where I thought, why even live? Why even stay here? What would be the point? I mean, I think we all kind of all go through that at some point, just almost give up. 
Mm. It seems like that is the space right there is where you can surrender to it and say, okay, I've got nothing. I, I, you know, there's, what can I do? I only have one choice. I can only move forward. Mm. And, and then hope for the possibility, right? Yeah. So do you have any, like, uh, I hate to use the word rich rituals, but, uh, in any way or any, any days or anything like that, that you especially hold dear still and, and try to remember Blaine in a special way? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like our anniversary, um, well, our anniversary and my birthday are back to back. So my birthday's on the 18th and my anniversary is on the 19th of July. So this past year, um, I took myself out to a movie on my birthday. Was that hard? Um, not as hard as I thought it was going to be. I thought, Oh my goodness, this could be really bad, but I had gone with the kids once. So I did have that kind of scaffolding. Mm -hmm. And then, um, so when I went, I just thought, you know what, Blaine loved, he loved movies. That was, there was nothing he loved better than to go to a show and have popcorn and sit and watch a movie. And I picked a movie I would like to watch because we didn't have the same taste in movies. So I went to a lot of his <laughs> sci-fi or whatever. But um, so I picked a comedy and I actually enjoyed it. Like I would do that again. Now I, I, caveat that I had some scaffolding and I mm -hmm. thought a lot about it first. And I, I prepared myself in case, you know, it didn't go well, but I'm, I'm kind of that girl that wants to have that experience and maybe rip the bandaid off quick, you know, get the pain <laughs> over with so that I can start to enjoy some of these things that we used to enjoy before again. And I think well, I just had an interview with Mary Frances O'Connor. I don't know if you know her, but she's yes. in your yeah. Yes, I I have uh, I actually sent her an email, and uh, I have not heard back. But I would absolutely love to have her on this podcast. Yeah, um, yeah. I I'm going to show you. People can't see it, but look right here, the Grieving yes. Brain. So Grieving. that is one of yeah. my favorite books ever. Seriously. Yes. So and if you know her personally, tell her to contact me. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Yeah. And she basically, she talks about how the brain has to relearn, right? Yes. So I have to relearn how to go to the movies by myself. And the only way that my brain can do that is if I experience it. As hard as that is, it it's, you know, and I'm not saying everybody needs to go out and run out and do all the things that, but it's okay to try some new things and it might take a couple of times before you start to enjoy it. That's the way it's been for me at the park. Like mm. every year I just scaffold a little bit more and it gets better and better. Right. My yes. brain is adjusting. Yeah. That is it. What would you tell someone who uh, may be going through, um, definitely emotional anguish right now, but you know, a lot of times it takes a physical toll on our bodies too. grief does. And what would you, what's some of the best advice you would give somebody who's going through those things, but yet are hearing that hope in your voice right now that there is another side to this grief piece. 
Yeah, well, I'm glad you mentioned the physical thing, because I think the emotions inside, well, I, I think there's a lot of research to, to prove that when we have stuck emotions in our bodies, it manifests as something physical. So when we're having a physical ailment, sometimes, I wouldn't say maybe always, but maybe a lot of times, there is an emotional component to it. And I know when I was in grief, it caused a lot of stomach issues for mm-hmm. me caused a lot of, um, sometimes I felt like I couldn't breathe, you know, it was in my chest so tight. And so, um, knowing that, you know, knowing that there's something to release and getting the support, getting someone to help you, because it's really not something, it's not good to do alone. I, I, I found, you know, having somebody to support me just made it so much easier and um, trying to do it by yourself and in isolation, it's it's just not a good thing. And it's interesting that a lot of times people who have lost a loved one due to a certain ailment sometimes will take on the likeness of what they may have dealt with. For example, if, if someone passed away, uh, say, from a brain tumor, the person left behind may start having a lot of headaches. Um, If somebody had a heart attack, someone left behind may have a lot of chest discomfort. And it's just really interesting. And there's a lot of uh, studies and things behind that, just the the psychosomatic symptoms popping in throughout grief. So um, I think it's really important to take care of our bodies and our minds during the grief process. And Mm -hmm. uh, I, I think that just just promoting good self-care, taking the time with yourself, you know, go for a walk in the park, go get a massage, get your nails done, your hair done, uh, whatever it is that says, I love me and kind of take that time for your healing. Um, I don't know. I, I just feel like we don't talk about that enough either that it's just, okay, yeah, do this, do that. But we don't talk about the physical part, you know, get outside, breathe that air, um, get some sun rays. You know, there, there's so many things that we can do and, and good self-care and taking, I guess just taking time for ourselves is, is a big piece. Don't push yourself too far, too hard, too quickly. Yeah. Well, and I know myself, I'm a doer. Right. I, I like to do stuff. And I always felt like when I was looking after myself and just sitting back and relaxing, <laughs> that it was uncomfortable. But then I realized that in doing that, I was actually releasing a lot of the emotion and things that needed to be released so that I could feel better. And then I realized that actually in relaxing and, and doing creative things and going out in nature, I was doing something. I was helping myself. Hmm. Angela, I know we're closing in on our hour here, but Hmm. I I can't thank you enough for being here and sharing Blaine's story with me and and the listeners. But uh, I want to just kind of pass it back to you. If you think we've missed something or or have anything additional that you want to talk about, uh, the floor is yours. Well, thank you. Yeah, well, I would just tell people, you know, I've got resources at my website, so healingenergy.world, and check it out. There's lots there to see. And 
I would say right now I'm doing angel readings. So if anybody's interested in that, check those out. I do angel readings, $30 for 30 minutes, and people are finding them really helpful. It's kind of a, you know, we do talk about grief. Um, it comes up in the conversation, but it's kind of fun to do the reading. So if anybody's interested in that, I offer that too. All right. I certainly appreciate you being here and uh, definitely uh, wish you the absolute best in your future and this book coming out. And, uh, and again, that was the, or the awakening through grief. Is that right? Yes. Waking right. through. Yeah. All right. So, so definitely be on the lookout for that. Uh, maybe by the end of the year, you say. Yeah. Well, okay. sign up for my newsletter and I'll keep you posted. Hopefully it'll be out before the end of the year. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. And well, thanks, thanks for what you do. I really appreciate it. I know how important it is. Thank you very much. Yeah. I, you know, like I told you before we punched record, you know, the, the grief world is so big. It's, uh, there's no competition. There's plenty of room for all of us. And, and I know your heart as well as many others just want to see people, uh, really find the same encouragement that you've found over the last few years. So, um, I, I thank you for, for the work that you do as well. So yeah, thanks so much. It's so nice to meet you. You too. You too. And, uh, thank you listeners for being here on this episode of grief observed podcast. And I hope you join us next time. And again, just, uh, send me an email. If you want to be on the show, I'll have Angela's information in the show description and uh, go, go by and check out her website. So thanks again for being here and have a great day, everyone.